Welcome to the Recovery Hour on News Radio KLBJ, hosted by Personal Responsibility Recovery. Join the conversation. Call or text now at 512-836-0590. Now, here's your host, Mark Myers. And welcome to the Recovery Hour with Dr. Kirby Stewart. Uh, I am Mark Myers with Personal Responsibility Recovery. Uh, Sunday afternoon, about 12.06, we are... uh, you know, we always bring this in the same way. We're a we're a small twelve bed residential facility that uh, specializes in clinical and substance use disorder, uh, basically residential treatment. And you know that it's we always I get tongue tied here because you know addiction, uh, substance use disorder, number one cause of death, and that that statistic just boggles my mind. Number one cause of death between 18 and 45-year-olds. It is such an elephant in the room. Uh, At any given time, 20 million Americans are affected by active addiction. Add in family members, add in loved ones. It it affects directly or indirectly almost 70 million Americans a year. As an industry, our job is to do a better job to destigmatize uh, the mental illness and the disorder that is substance use disorder. Normalize conversations about it. Let's take some of the guilt, some of the shame out of it when we need to seek help for uh, substance use disorder. It's uh, it's a progressive disease, and you know here here with me are two of the, the best guys I've ever seen in treating that. Um, our spiritual director, Dr. Kirby Stewart, and our medical director, Dr. William Loving, is joining us today. Always a treat when uh, <laughs> when Dr. Loving joins us. And yeah. uh, Thank you. Y- yeah. You know, Kirby, I think... Uh, Hi, Mark. Uh, yeah, good morning. Good I think, morning. Dr. Stewart, I think good we had talked a little about... <laughs> afternoon, I always miss it, always miss it. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we had talked a little bit about... Uh, well, I'll, I'll let you take that. When... When do we seek treatment? What does treatment look like? Those are the biggest questions we get asked. It, it is, they are. And I, I uh, thought that we could approach that today. Uh, and then if we have time, lead into talking about what people who are considering getting help can expect when they uh, reach out and, <clears throat> and allow other people to, to help them out with this uh, chronic brain disorder. Uh, I, by the way, only call it a disorder just to avoid arguments over whether or not it's actually a disease. I don't. I don't really. I don't think it matters. What What matters is that we know that it's chronic, and that it is not the result of a weak will, and it is not the result of. Uh, what it often leads to, which is selfish thinking and selfish behavior. Uh, ad- addiction, uh, as Dr. Loving will verify, occurs really out of our genetic inheritance, uh, coupled with uh, other risk factors such as trauma and uh, living in poverty is a risk factor. Uh, Struggling to communicate, i.e. language difficulties, uh, is a risk factor. But uh, of all of the various risk factors for the, the disorder, uh, the primary one by far is, is the genetic risk factor. 
And then uh, a, a huge study done in the Pacific Northwest and, and California uh, years ago uh, uh, reviewed <clears throat> attributes of individuals who sought health care for addiction. So pre- presumably these are people who were on the more seriously ill end of the spectrum of the disorder. Uh, and those folks, 85% of those folks uh, had suffered what are called adverse childhood experiences, i.e. trauma. So 85% of people seeking care in that study had suffered uh, trauma. So it, it's a huge, huge uh, part of the picture. And the trauma, by the way, can be prenatal trauma. It can be birth trauma. It can be a, a traumatic uh, early childhood. Uh, and oh, by the way, abandonment is, is and can be a form of trauma as well. So, Bill, I, I want to ask you to comment on that and clarify what I've had to say about that if you can. Well, one thing, uh, this is a genetic disorder. So, um, the parents of the person that needs help, often one or both of them have chemical chemical dependency problems. If they don't, then they were raised by somebody that had alcoholism or drug addiction. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it makes for a dysfunction in the family and, and makes for dysfunctional parenting and so forth. And that, that's one reason there, that so many people have uh, traumatic experiences in childhood. Um, exactly, yeah. So, uh, but I agree with what so you those, say. So those two risk factors... And the numbers are, are startlingly high for the genetic inheritance pattern is 75%, I've read somewhere. Uh, yeah. Yeah. My, my own, <laughs> doing this for 40 years, when I, and I evaluate people yeah. to see what drugs they're on, make, to detox them, and see, try to figure out if they have a psychiatric disorder too. And every, I can always trace it in two generations up. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, uh, I... I think one of the other things that makes this sometimes so hard, and, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm in recovery and uh, don't really care about my anonymity, but I think what makes that sometimes so hard is not only does the addict be covered up with shame and covered up with guilt for their actions, but sometimes the family members that have contributed to or passed down, it's just such a, for them to say, yes, you have childhood trauma, is almost an admission that they have a part in this, this, this sure. generational. Sure. So it's almost necessary to treat the family. Oh um, yeah, as it, much it really as is can. as much as possible. It's it's, and I'm gonna I'm gonna break out here just a second. I, uh, Dr. Kirby and and uh, Dr. Loving both know we uh, had a former client pass away uh, this week and it was years and years and years and years and years we uh, his last year of life was uh, was much 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 better for him um, having been through treatment but the damage done from 40 plus years and to watch the dynamics of the entire family and how that works so often was just uh it was really a tragedy to watch because no one sought help in a serious way. And I think that uh, that's probably one of the reasons this is the leading cause of death. 
is the shame and guilt so often prevents an entire family from opening up and saying, guys, we need help. Yeah. We don't we don't know how to do this. And then the blame factor needs to be taken out completely. Uh you know, I I I'm uh, blaming my father for treating me badly or something. You know, it just doesn't it doesn't help anything to do the blaming. I mean, um anyway. No. Yeah. The uh, it, it makes one wonder, doesn't it, at how many of all those who overdose uh uh, either purposefully or accidentally uh, on drugs, how many of those had the primary problem be one of isolation? Uh, I would dare say a great many of a them. A great many. Well, I, great that's many. part of the, the disease, too. People get isolated as they start using more and more. It It's certainly that, that lack of connections that uh, we see that often or I, I see that when I'm working in a, in a tech capacity out at our treatment center, how when someone first comes, they're, they're isolating into their rooms. They're just not used to the human connection and certainly not the spiritual connection. And all of those things are uh, kind of part of what we had uh, started to talk about. What, what, what does it look like when you come into residential treatment? Maybe we visit, we've got to take a quick break here and, uh, Visit about when to seek treatment and what that treatment looks like when we come back from a break here. Uh, If you want to join us today, 512-836-0590, News News Radio 590, of course, 512-836-0590. Like what you hear? Make sure you never miss a show every Sunday at noon. Go to personalresponsibilityrecovery.com to learn more. Now, back to the Recovery Hour on News Radio KLBJ with Mark Myers. And again, welcome back to the Recovery Hour. If if you want to join our uh, conversation today, 512-836-0590. That's a uh, call or text that. And of course, our host, Dr. Kirby Stewart, and our special guest, Dr. William Loving, in the studio this afternoon. And, uh, you know, just having a, a really honest conversation about addiction, uh, an honest conversation about when to seek treatment, what that looks like, what the what the options are, and... You know, of course, personal responsibility recovery. We're, you know, we're a, we're an amazing small twelve bed. Uh, but whether you use us or not, if you're needing help or thinking you need help or thinking to get help from someone, use us as a reference. Personalresponsibilityrecovery.com. We can we can give some guidance. That's that's the important thing. And. Uh, Dr. Stewart, you were you were talking early on the. We need to record our break, is what we need to do, so we can just leave it. We have these brilliant ideas. <laughs> yeah, there's, once there's the something start. about the microphone that sort of stymies uh, imaginative thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, it you know in the last segment, I I tried to talk a little bit about uh, assessment, and that's really not at all my area of expertise. Dr. Loving is the expert in that regard. Uh, but I was uh, talking that way in order to lead up to saying that if you're wondering that whether or not you might need help, uh, if you're drinking uh, alcohol or uh, taking uh, medications that alter your cognition, that change how your brain works, uh, then uh, if you're wondering about it, then you probably do need some help. And at the very least, you ought to consult with an expert 
uh, along those lines. And if you're a friend or family member of someone uh, and you think that they need help or at least they need an assessment, then uh, you're probably right. Uh, And, uh, you know, the whole history of addiction treatment is basically the history of trying to raise the bottom uh, to try to try to move towards prevention of severe disease, and if we can do that, then uh, we're we're uh, being successful. Historically, people have needed to reach a bottom, or at least they've needed to reach a point where the consequences of drug or alcohol use outweighed what they perceived to be the benefits, and uh, that. That moment typically uh, brings people in seeking help because of the, the, the consequences are just overwhelmingly bad at that point in time. And that then becomes, by definition, their bottom. It, I wanted to ask Dr. Loving, in his experience, are, are, is it fair to say that people have to hit some kind of bottom before they're likely to uh, recover effectively? Well... Yeah, but it can be a high bottom or low bottom. And what, what we mean by bottom is uh, uh, losing things and uh, life unmanageable and out of control. Uh, a low bottom could be somebody that has, that's on the streets and eating out of dumpsters. A high bottom might be a, 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 a kind of a, a word from uh, their spouse or, or their boss or something, say, you need some help here. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And what we're hoping is people can get help with at their high bottom, not, not go, you know, the low bottom can be very low. Uh, but the bottom, uh, I think st- some people say you, you don't really get help un- until you really hit bottom, but the bottom helps you break through the denial of the, pro- of the injury, of, of the uh, disease. It helps you uh, get to where you can, you can tell yourself, you know, maybe I am exactly. alcoholic or addicted, yeah. Exactly so. That, that moment of recognition of needing help can then become the bottom when, whenever that arises. I uh, heard something just fabulous the other day, and it, it's, it's seldom that I've, because I've been in the rooms of recovery, NAAA, for, for years, and I, I still hear things, though, that uh, just amaze me sometimes, and that, that's why I continue to go, is to continue to grow. And I heard someone say, I didn't lose anything. I gave it away. Hmm. I made a choice. I gave away my job. I gave away my home. I gave away my cars. I gave away my family. I gave away everything. Because I continued to place the use of mood and mind-altering substances ahead of everything. But I would argue at the time that the person was placing those things ahead of everything, they had actually probably already lost the power of choice. Exactly. They lost the power of choice. Yeah. And that's the... the scary part. It's a really scary part. And mm-hmm. I, I can speak for myself. My bottom was at 25 years old being homeless in Austin, Texas, living in my truck, panhandling in front of a store. That was the bottom that it took me for me to admit help, seek help, actually be, be offered help. Uh, thank you, Travis County. And, uh, you know, here I am all those years later. 
it doesn't have to be there. We see people come in who, if, if an employer says, you need help, they're probably right. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it, it takes so much for somebody to tell another person that. I mean, it really people does. really hesitate it's doing obvious. it. Um, yeah. It seems to be, yes. So uh, let's say that, uh, by the way, I, I think the high end of the scale of hitting bottom, and I actually know someone uh, with whom uh, I recently had a conversation. This person had the insight to recognize that his alcohol use was interfering with his relationships, uh, interfering with uh, not only his relationships with his family and friends, but also his relationship with uh, his God. He, he was a man of faith, and he, he could see that uh, the alcohol had displaced God in his life. And I, I think that that's a great example of the high end of that spectrum. That, to him, was a bottom because he missed the intimacy that was being sacrificed in his relationships, even that with, with his own higher power. Uh, so, you know, that I think a lot of people would look at that and say, huh, you know, that... <laughs> that's, that's all you got? That's not, that, that's not that much of a problem, man. Why do you think you need help? Well, exactly. he thought he did need help, and, and he came to me for spiritual direction. So... Uh, you know, it, it, it just depends on what the individual's sensitivity is, what, they're, what they value in life, how meaningful or uh, lack of meaning their life may hold. Uh, so, and, and one of the things that I have said several times on this show, if I am diagnosed with stage one cancer... I will be taking off work next week. I will be driving to MD Anderson in Houston. I'm going to kick the door down of the best oncologist I can find. I want to read everything about it, know everything about it, because I don't want it to get worse. And I accept that, and it's a disease, and I know it, and it, it's like, holy cow, I've got to really act on this. And I do it at stage one, hopefully at stage two. Mm -hmm. With addiction, with substance use disorder, that stage one is denial. That's the problem. Isn't That's it? the problem. That's we don't admit it. We, yep. it. It's denial. I got this. We suffer an illusion of choice. We think yeah. that I can choose to stop whenever I want. I couldn't. Yeah. But yet, I wouldn't do a thing about it. That uh, one of the doctor masters will say uh, when we interview a patient and. Uh, so some people will say, what, what's your jug, drug of choice? Meaning, what's your, the main one you're using? But he, uh, he likes to say the, jug of, the drug of no choice. Exactly. Yeah. You, don't really, you don't really have a choice. You, you're out of control, and it's, it's running. The, the drug's running the show, running your life, really. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing about it, it it's tough. It's in, in, I don't want to go into this too much, but it's, it's obvious to me anyway that society re, has blinders to the problem and many people in the society don't see it as a disease, see it as a weakness of will and a behavioral problem. And, and there's so much shame involved with that. It, it's, it keeps people sometimes from seeking help. Uh, but That's really tragic when that happens. And, you know, it is a disease that, as we've said before, uh, 
has as its primary or cardinal symptom denial of its own existence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's the only disease that tells you you're not sick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it really is. And the symptoms of that disease are self-centeredness and dishonesty and uh, isolation. denial and isolation, isolation. And, and all of those things that then compound it. Yeah. Yeah, but the person uh, that has genetics and so forth, they they truly are out of control. They can't control that stuff. Yet their mind may be telling them, "I ought to be controlling it," or I, you know, it, it's just an insidious problem. Right. And you know, I I think as you somebody hearing this today, if you think any of this fits, it probably does. And other people are going to know that around you. So we, uh, I, I always, I just say personalresponsibilityrecovery.com. As a resource. As a resource. No judgment. Have a conversation. We are surrounded with so many talented folks on our team that can come in and say, yes, let's, let's talk about this. Or here's who you need to talk to. The, the network that PR recovery has is pretty vast, and that's why we do this show is to help guide how can, how can we help the community? How can we provide resources? How can we address the elephant in the room that needs to, you know, have a, a, a I don't know, a chandelier swinging from its <laughs> trunk and teach it to dance? Well, we need we, to talk about it. Absolutely. I mean, our, our, our goal is to raise the bottom for everyone and anyone who might be seeking help. Our goal is to raise the bottom. It, yeah. it really is, and, and we can help do that. We're, we're up against a break here for the news, and we'll be right back on KLBJ 590. Like what you hear? Make sure you never miss a show every Sunday at noon. Go to personalresponsibilityrecovery.com to learn more. Now, back to the Recovery Hour on News Radio KLBJ with Mark Myers. And again, appreciate you spending a little bit of your Sunday with us. It's uh, 1234. And if you want to join our conversation today, uh, call or text 512-836-0590. Of course, we're on News Radio 590. Um, Again, we want to talk about addiction. We want to talk about substance use. And and we've been having a lively conversation amongst ourselves. And, uh, you know, Dr. Kirby, you were talking about uh, Dr. Stewart. You were talking about, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the denial factor, and and yeah, how, how do we get out of that? How do, how do we raise our hand and say I've had enough? <laughs> and then what does that look like? What does it look like when we say, okay, I, 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 this addiction wins? What do I yeah. do? Yeah. Well, yeah. Usually, the uh, remedy for denial, unfortunately, is pain, and when someone has suffered uh, so uh, completely that they recognize that they're suffering, uh, you know, a, a, a big part of the, the denial problem is that people drink and use in order to alleviate suffering. And they oftentimes drink and use before they even consciously recognize that they're suffering because they're drinking and using instinctively or instinctually, uh, unconsciously, as it were, uh, in order to abate a certain kind of suffering. And so it is a vicious cycle, but it can be broken into 
if the individual is willing to tell the truth about their own discomfort, overcome whatever shame may be associated with it, and recognize that, yeah, I am emotionally and spiritually disconnected because you cannot use drugs to excess and drink alcohol to excess and maintain meaningful emotional and spiritual connections. You cannot do it because the drug replaces your capacity to be present for those connections. That's why it causes isolation. So if you're feeling isolated or emotionally remote in any way, shape, or form, yeah, you probably have a problem and it's time to back off of it and receive help. And that help takes the form of reconnecting with people. Uh, Where do you start? You got to start with whomever is in your life, whatever resource might be available to you. Most of us know somebody who's in some kind of program or seeking help. Uh, Talk to your doctor, reach out to personal responsibility recovery, get the process started. Oftentimes a a 12-step program in a church will we'll welcome you and you may do very, very well in that context. Some folks require more medical support. They require a medically managed withdrawal and, and they might require residential treatment. Uh, and dual diagnosis as Dr. Loving has specialized yeah, in a, forever. A lot of times that, that disconnection and every, it, it, the drug use and alcohol use, if I'm not mistaken, Dr. Loving, that's but a symptom sometimes of some well, pretty severe underlying issues that are untreated. Well, the, uh, uh, one percentage I've heard, I don't know if it's exactly accurate, but at least 40% of the people with chemical dependency have a psychiatric disorder that needs treatment. And if it's not treated and stabilized, they'll never be able to get sober because it interferes with the sobriety. And when you talk about pain, we're talking about loss, what, what you've lost. It can be a job, a, a friend, friends, spouse, uh, just different, your losses. Uh, and they, they, when they add up, uh, they can, they can, you can then have, you can break through a denial then if they, and that's the bottom we were talking about. Um, so uh, you, there are different things you can do. You can go to a therapist, a counselor. Uh, it's interesting if, if you wanted to search AA or NA, and NA meetings in Austin, it's very interesting. You will be surprised how many meetings there are in Austin, like many, many, many. But see, this is a Alcoholics Anonymous, an underline anonymous. Nobody brags about going and all. So it's, just, <laughs> it's a... It's a uh, dynamic subculture to our to our culture, and uh, but it's kind of like a secret society too. It, it, it is interesting to do that. You'll be really surprised how many meetings there are uh, because lots of people need the help. Uh, I think the percentage in the society is fifteen or seventeen percent, or I don't know, it's at least fifteen. I think of people that have this disease, and yeah, um, yeah, it's somewhere between fifteen and twenty percent. Yeah, yeah. One of the traditions, actually, of both 12 Steps, I've, I'm, my home is, is one of those groups. Uh, I try to respect the, the tradition that says our program is based on attraction rather than promotion. Yeah. And it is that uh, someone seeking recovery <clears throat> is going to have to reach out and ask for it. We don't promote it. You have to ask for it. And uh, as a treatment yeah. center, we promote it. We don't try to promote 12-step groups, even though that is something that 
I consider part of my life that is a, a necessary part of my life and, and will be for the rest of my life, just as if I had diabetes. I have to treat mm-hmm. my illness. I have to treat it every week, twice Re- a week, three res- times a week. Residential treatment then can... Uh, it's, it's teaching people to live sober and be content and happy and not feel deprived. And um, when the 12-step programs can help a lot with that. Um, so, uh, anyway. Well, it we can. Do, you know, the, I like to say that in residential care that we deliver at Personal Responsibility Recovery, for example, is uh, kicking off a recovery lifestyle. I don't even like to call it treatment. We have to call it treatment because that's what everybody Has calls to call it. it treatment. But yeah. I, I like to call it a recovery. Uh, and and our, the, the title of our operation is personal responsibility recovery. It's not personal responsibility treatment. Yeah. It is. We want to we help folks recover. We have a, a Caleb on the line. I'm going to uh, – has a comment about uh, emotions and disconnection. Uh, Caleb, thanks for calling in, KLBJ. Uh, how can we help? Yeah, hi. Um, no, I, I was just calling because, like, everything uh, pretty much that you guys are laying out is exactly what I went through. Um, I went through a treatment facility here in Austin, and I learned a lot about um, pretty much how everything, that, all, of my, all of my problems were of my own making. Um, and it really does start with the, the spiritual and the emotional connections that you have around you like I um I did methamphetamine for about seven years um and then I decided to move up here to Austin and I learned a lot from a 12-step based program um I don't I don't follow a program today um I've got about three years clean but it was definitely a foundation for everything that I needed to learn about how to treat people about how I should worry more about um other people's problems rather than my own like I, I based my life around um essentially just helping out other people and that's really what keeps me happy that and i truly believe that idle hands do the devil's work um i keep myself very busy with healthy activities um so i like i really appreciate what you guys are saying because if, if anyone's in disbelief that's all, all of what you guys are saying is exactly what got me to where i am and i, I just appreciate uh, that you guys are doing this well caleb we sure appreciate you calling in and uh Thanks, Kevin. Stop! Stop by the program every now and then. Say hi, man. You, you, yeah, and yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely, and absolutely. I've never found a recovery scene like there is in Austin. Um, it's it's hard to find out. So I'm I'm from Beaumont, and it's it's present there, but it's definitely not what it is uh, here. The Austin you know recovery scene is absolutely amazing. I can testify I, to that. Yeah, I th- Caleb. I I like to say that as long as we have at least twice as many recovery groups as we have uh, music venues will be okay. (laughs) Right now there are 147 music venues so we need wow. 500, and I think we have them. I, I think, guarantee yeah. you we <laughs> have them. You count uh, meetings and times. and yeah, Absolutely. It's, I, I heard 400 at one point. <laughs> yeah. Well, Caleb, we sure appreciate the call, man. Thanks for calling in. And you guys have a great day. One, one thing, the person that seeks help, especially if they went to a, a AA meeting, you're going to find people that have, have had it worse than you do, and uh, nobody's judging each other there because... You don't want to be judged yourself, and uh, uh, you'll be amazed. You, you, you'll 
yeah you're not you're not alone <laughs> yeah absolutely that a lot of us find out that in fact we are alcoholics because we find that we belong with alcoholics <laughs> we we've you know many of us have as an experience the first time we really felt like we belonged or we were at, it we're absolutely at home was in, the, in a meeting absolutely you know we're gonna come back here after a break and and again if you want to join our conversation uh 512-836-0590 on news radio klbj yep call or text and we'll be back uh back to close out our show here in just a couple of minutes providing professional opinions resources and guidance for addiction treatment every sunday from noon to one the recovery hour with mark myers and welcome back to our final segment. Uh, you know, we keep we keep saying we're going to make this a two-hour show. We're actually not. September 11th, however, we will be on Mondays from 6 to 7. So we do have a new time. KLBJ is uh, very gracious in working with us on that. It's going to get us uh, a little different time. So September 11th, uh, 6 to 7 on uh, KLBJ, of course. If you want to join us today, 512-836-0590. You can call or text to that number. And, uh, yeah, we're talking a little bit about a little bit about, uh, oh, bit yeah, about residential treatment. I, um, I want to call it uh, in recovery initiation rather than treatment. Hmm. Uh, but I also want the freedom to call it a disease, so maybe I need to make up my mind. <laughs> if it's a disease, then I guess the word treatment applies. But it's so much more. It, it you know, addiction becomes a lifestyle. Sadly, it, it does. It, it, what you have to do in order to survive in your addiction is basically become a very, very selfish person. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it cuts you off from other people, isolating you. And I, I really appreciate what Caleb had to say uh, uh, about his experience of emotional and spiritual isolation. Um, so anyway, whether we call it uh, treatment or recovery initiation, uh, I want to ask Mark, uh, you know, why, why did you come up with the name Personal Responsibility Recovery? I mean, you just as well named the place Shame on You Recovery or something even worse. <laughs> well, that's, that's one way to look at it. But so, I mean, I've been in recovery a long time. And what I have learned and what I have learned from friends and sponsors and sponsees and, you know, addiction is a lifestyle. So is recovery. And we always say that we're not responsible for our disease. We are not responsible for the genetics. We're not responsible for the disease, but we are responsible for our recovery. Once we have been exposed to that, and our name indicates that that we want to recover. We're not a treatment center, we're a recovery center. And, you know, Patrick Hensley with Hensley Sober Living, and, and I love Patrick, when he was on our show, he said, you know, we teach you that, that PR recovery teaches you how not to die. He said, <laughs> we teach you how to live. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. But Because you're not, you're not giving up getting high, believe it or not. No. You just can't safely get high using chemicals. You get high alcohol. doing other but things. But you still need, you know, pleasure and joy in your life. Well, the personal responsibility, that's what we want people to recover. 
recover because we all seek a a life. We all uh, humans, I think, seek rewards. They do. We're we're genetically programmed. I think, Doctor Stewart, you have said that when you do one thing, it feels great. So your mentally, your your brain tells you to do it again, and that's what we want people to do is to become personally responsible for your recovery, for your life, for your connections, for your meetings. Those are the things that that we have to have for long term. I mean, we, you know, could be called, I don't know, some kind of tree and you well, know, some a people, sky or something. And there, then, are people <laughs> that, there are people that spend a lot of money to go to a spa to, you know, do things for themselves and all. But, uh, it's in the spa, of course, but it is a time that a person can come and just work on themselves and learn about themselves and try to improve their Our days their life. Are, are pretty full. I mean, it, it, they work with you every afternoon, Dr. Stewart, on, on yeah, gaining that you spiritual. Go ahead and, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry for interrupting. Oh, just gaining the spiritual, the spiritual path back. And, uh, you know, Dr. Loving, you, you are... Uh, board certified in addiction medicine, a psychiatrist. You've been doing this for 40 years. Our medical director is not an MD who uses uh, physician's assistants to come out and do telemedicine. No, I'm there every week and I'm available by phone. and uh, Eye to eye. Sit and, down. And, if, if you, and I try to sniff out if a person has a psychiatric disorder so it can be dealt with so the person can get sober but anyway. I, I really want to emphasize how important that is and how gra- glad I am to be able to work with you Dr. Loving on that account Dr. Loving is well known throughout the greater Austin area as being expert <laughs> in discerning uh, uh, addiction uh, related behavioral disorders from uh, mental illness in particular mood Absolutely. disorders uh, and, and also thought disorders and that that's so important. The primary cause of relapse is untreated mental illness. And but, then, and, and everybody comes in anxious and down, but it may not be a disorder itself, you know. And I try exactly. to figure out if it if it is, then we treat it. Uh, bipolar illness is fairly common, and I don't know other things. Uh, I used, to, I yeah, I I mean, I saw. <laughs> A guy comes in and and he looks uh, bipolar and uh, a little bit borderline and depressed and anxious and uh, what else? Yeah, four or five different uh, personality disorders. <laughs> Either that or he's an alcoholic. <laughs> well, everybody looks kind of borderline. Kind of like, hard to choose. But at, after they dry out and the, their mind starts working again in a week or two, uh, you know, most people don't have the psychiatric disorder so much. I mean, but right. the training and the specialization, and then, of course, we have uh, Dr. Sharon Duke. Uh, she's also board certified uh, in addiction medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kareem Sahid is an MD. Kirby Stewart's an MD. You know, Susan Turner, our clinical director, uh, LCSW, it's, it's that type of horsepower that we chose, and and not every residential center does that. And in a long shot, you know, we are heavy, heavy, heavy clinical in the mornings to discern all of those types of things because it it is it's it's about responsibility for the disease. We have to gain 
uh, knowledge. We have to be educated. We have to understand why we are how we are. And uh, it's and, often a good idea to get corralled someplace, so to speak. Absolutely. So your brain can clear and everything and get out of the environment you were in that was so out of control. Uh, we're a good place to do that. 121 acres, just beautiful Texas Hill Country Ranch. And uh, you do, you get to reset. And people have always asked what, what that clinical treatment, you know, what is residential treatment? And that's kind of what we're touching on now. And You know, and, and that's a very hard question to answer because it depends on where you go, <laughs> where you are, it does. And what the staff member's interests are and what the staff member's experience will allow. Uh, it, you know, and I, I, I'm really proud to be on our staff where I think the average age of the staff is... 60-ish, 65-ish, somewhere around in there. And there, my point being Older. is that there's a wealth of experience. <laughs> well, and you, it's decades of experience. Decades, decades of, of average experience. is three or four decades. Yeah. and Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Our staff meetings are amazing. But anyway, the, what it looks like in a nutshell at personal responsibility recovery is in the morning uh, there's check-in, there's supervised uh, uh, check-in where people uh, develop uh, an outline of what they're going to do that day and how the day is going to go. Then there's a group and intensive uh, individual work with the licensed counselor in which uh, obstacles to psychological competency are approached and removed so that one can actually become free to make choices rather than simply live in reaction to these psychological obstacles, uh, usually in place because of trauma. And then in the afternoon, uh, there's a lot of time for individual contemplation, and then we do some spiritual work, meditation, and we focus in the spiritual work, we basically focus on four things, and I'll wrap it up. Uh, compassion, gratitude, forgiveness, and unconditional love. And when we meditate, we actually experience all four of those states of consciousness. They're not just ideas about life. They are states of consciousness or ways of being in the world. And we experience those directly. And that, that's the spiritual work in a nutshell. And then, of course, we also embrace the community, uh, AA and NA and uh, any, any exposure to those. Because once you leave our gates, we want you to have a toolbox that is just overflowing with tools. And we want to show you how to use each one of them so that when you leave, you, you're empowered for long-term recovery. And, and we said before, there's no cure for this, but, but like any chronic disease, you can manage it. And so we are teaching people how to manage, how to manage and it and keeping the disease from harming them anymore. The, the what, what, recovery initi initiation. I, I kind of like that, Dr. Stewart. Yeah. We're, we're recovery initiation. And, you know, we're up against the clock as always. We've... Uh, Got about a minute left here this afternoon, and please reach out if you if anything has resonated with someone listening today, be it a family member, be it personal. Again, there's this is this is just a real judgment free zone. 
It's the leading cause of death. I keep saying that because it astounds me. 18 to 45-year-old, more people die of substance use, substance use disorder, accidental opioid overdose, alcoholism. More lives are torn apart, ruined. Our jails are full of people who somehow survived but involved in or related to uh, substance use disorder. That's a whole other subject. We it's need to a talk whole other subject. Jail, it, it, jailing people with a disease. Jailing people yeah. with a disease. Yeah. And some. Uh, the statistic I heard is mind-boggling. 80% of the people in jail yeah, I think it's are drug-related. Yeah. And so... It's a big business. It's, it's, we just yeah. have to do a better job talking about this, and you have to start somewhere. We offer a place to start, personalresponsibilityrecovery.com. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being here, Dr. Thank you Loving, all for listening. Dr. Stewart, as yeah. always, for hosting. Thank we'll be you. back next week.